Heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is the 16th of November on Rural Queensland Today. Uh, Very good morning to everybody listening to us. 16 nominees who are standing for the Cattle Australia Board um, have been released. The Northern Australian Beef Research Council region candidates are as follows. These are the seven candidates who will fill three northern positions. Adam Coffey, owner and director of Coffey Cattle Co. David Foote. Director of Tandara Partners, Hayden Sale, Beef Producer, Mandura Cattle Company, Lynn French, Grazier Agritourism, Pat Gleeson, Beef Producer and Agribusiness Specialist Consultant, Justin Dyer, Cattle Producer, APNPL, and Bryce Cam, Grazier, Cam Agricultural Group. So they are the seven candidates who will fill the northern positions. Now, the Southern Livestock Regional Council candidates, um, George King, Managing Director of the Whitney Pastoral Co., uh, Fiona Conroy, Farmer, Alistair Watson, uh, Pasadena Partners, John MacArthur, Agribusiness Consultant, Elkie uh, Cleverdon, Owner Director of Cleverdon Ag, Robert McKenzie, Beef Producer, Gary Edwards, Managing Director and CEO of Maureen Pastoral, and Mark Horan, cattle producer, livestock carrier. Um, so they are they are the big the the big ones. Jamie Bow James Bowie from Bridgetown, Western Australia, is nominated for the Western Australian region as the only candidate. He will be appointed to the elect of that board. So that is that is the one person who stood for that. On another note, and I don't say this very often, I just want to congratulate my eldest son, William Dobbin, who yes, last night, and is well known to a lot of people, and I talk about him a lot, who last night was made school captain for Ipswich Grammar for 2023. As a parent, uh, I don't think it gets any uh, better than that. He's a boarder at Ipswich Grammar. He is a wonderful young man who's been raised right by his mother and his grandparents and myself and he's done a fantastic job. He resides at Condamine when he's not at boarding school and he's as happy as happy in the bush as you could ever be. Uh, To Will, who was made school captain going into year 12 next year at Ipswich Grammar, congratulations. I don't talk about the kids very often. He has been on this show with the Ag Department a couple of times. He's someone who we are all very proud of and I know that uh, everybody who knows him and who knows how proud I am of him would be happy for him this morning. That's uh, that's the most self-indulgent I'm going to get. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk with Tim Sullivan from Molong. Geez, they've been devastated with floods. He's up next. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. We'll start the show with obviously the devastation in New South Wales and the flooding. We have all seen these pictures and our hearts go out to everybody in regional, in, in regional New South Wales. Yeah, we've had our turn, even at the start of the year, um, through Warwick and Stanthorpe and different areas and parts of Condamine, we've seen uh, huge flooding. Well, it is devastation uh, in different towns at the moment. Some of the vision of Cowra and Canoundra, Molong, Forbes, and uh, there are people missing and there have been lives lost. Tim Sullivan is very well known through regional Queensland and throughout Queensland at his time here when he first started off at Kilcoy uh, Abattoir and then obviously with Sanger Meats. He's now one of the owners of Endeavour Meats 
and he joins us this morning. He's a Molong local, and he joins us this morning. Hello, mate. How are you? Great to be with you, Dobbo. Mate, I understand how busy you are and how the last couple of days have been absolutely horrific. Just step us through a timeline, firstly, of your little town, Molong, and what happened and occurred there. Sunday night, Dobbo, the rain sort of came in at about sort of 10 o'clock and uh, 9 or 10 o'clock in in an amazing storm, over 100 millimetres in probably three or four hours. Uh, and the catchment was obviously saturated from an extremely wet year, almost record-breaking here. 1956, they say, was the last one as wet. And uh, and the, the water just came so quickly and, and, and no one kept up. Um, and our poor little town of Molong has just been absolutely inundated and, uh, and the whole of the main street has been wiped out. But what we're appealing to here today is is the heartbeat of the town, Dobbo. It's, it's it's the sporting clubs. It's in the months and weeks and years that yeah. it's going to take our little community to get back on track, mate. We need to make sure that these community assets are rebuilt, um, and that's why we've got a GoFundMe page to try and uh, get a bit of support, mate. How how many people in Molong, mate? It's in the Central 2, West. 2,000 people. 2,000. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, you, we all know these kind of towns, they are bred – the sport is there is the lifeblood whether or not it's swimming club, whether or not it's the bowls club, whether or not it's um, kids' sport, um, that that's where the heartbeat of these towns come from. And In that four or five hours, Dobbo, we lost our hockey club, which has got 180 paid members. I would challenge there would be as many junior hockey clubs in Australia as strong. We lost our bowling club. We lost our ground for our cricket and our rugby club, both rugby league and rugby union. Um, yeah, I said bowling club, tennis club. All these have been wiped out in that night, and uh, and there will be channels for the businesses to get some support. But we really need, you know, the heartbeat of the town and are these community assets where they can go and have a hit of tennis on a Wednesday night, or and go and have a beer with their mates and, and talk them through the challenges they've got. And it, it's just uh, it's so important that we give uh, give everyone something to look forward to and and rebuild these important communities. What about the schools? Did the schools get rolled, mate, or they were safe? They normally build them on the hills, the schools. Yeah, no, the schools are good. Um, they've been shut since. But, um, uh, you know, I think there were 500 um, volunteers for the next two days, including kids all the way through, um, my, you know, my son's age, from seven, eight, nine, ten, the supermarkets, um, all gone. So um, everyone's just been pitching in as good communities do, mate. We're a great nation, but they're made up of even better communities. And, yeah. um yeah, we need to keep them alive. Talk to me about this GoFundMe page. Tim Sullivan's our guest this morning, a Molong resident, and our thoughts are going out to everybody uh, throughout the Central West and through regional New South Wales who are suffering horrific flooding at the moment, like just unbelievable. But for your community, because the government, they, they will give build businesses like your your news agents and your, and your chemists and all that, they will get them back on their feet. They'll get grants, they'll get back on their feet. But a hockey club and a... And, uh, a, a leagues club, and you talk about a tennis club. Those that money's got to come from grants at some point. They haven't got the money in the bank to get operational. They need people to get in and, and help. So, what is the what is the process that you guys as a community are trying to do? So, Dobbo, we've started a, a GoFundMe page called Help Rebuild Molong, um, and ultimately that will just be divided up between all the different sports clubs that have lost. Um, you know that that have been smoked during this uh, during this flood and uh, and we will unite and, uh, and and get them rebuilt mate and get everyone back out there and enjoying those those important um, local assets that, that uh, you know for mental health and and for well-being of the community it, it's what makes it tick so that's the plan 
uh, at this stage. You know, we, we, we our thoughts are with those people who are still missing. Obviously, that's a priority today and tomorrow. But but outside that, we've really got to try and strike while the iron's hot and, and get some um, get some groundswell here and support so we can, uh, you know, keep everyone's heads up. Yeah, you did right. So that's a GoFundMe page. Help help rebuild Molong. Um, the difficult conversation, um, and, and obviously with the government, is, you know, there's got to be some sort of government strategy to try and maybe put some levy banks around there because, I mean, you know, like – Molong, Molong is susceptible to flooding. We we know, but n- never of this catastrophic state. But gee whiz, you know, like the government have got to be a little bit responsible. This is this is not fair on the community at all. Yeah, look, there's there's certain uh, there's certain conversations happening behind the scenes, Dobbo, that we, we would say that there might be some changing to some infrastructure around town, um, certain bridges and stuff that that might have made the situation so much worse. But at the moment, I think um, that will come through the correct channels and at the moment I think we're super just focused on the people and and uh, and thanking everyone from the community and surrounds businesses from Orange sent all their tradesmen out you know we had 20 or 30 trucks front end loaders every single thing every bit of carpet from every building in the main street has just been dumped out on the main thing and had to be carried out to the tip to, to, to start again so um, yeah we just we just uh, super focused on on getting uh, getting some support around this Yep. and helping out for our community. Help Rebuild Molong is a GoFundMe page. People of Queensland, we um, when we've been through it, we've had the support of a nation. Uh, I'm asking people this morning listening to us to please go and make a contribution to the GoFundMe page, Help Rebuild Molong. Um, this, I, this is I not- can remember very well, Dobbo, you did a great job back in the day when yep. the condomine floods were done. They had a, they had a telethon. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure, and I know from being a New South Welshman living in Queensland at the time, certainly everyone got around that that, uh, that terrible time. And, and uh, you guys had a huge impact in rebuilding the beautiful little community of Condamine and the Condamine College. Yep. So uh, I really hope that everyone in Queensland can get around these, you know, get around us and and, uh, and make a difference. Yeah, um, unbelievable, um, you, you know, and you're right, and it, people need to get on. Mate, where's going to be the melting pot today? I mean, mow long the water's passed. Where are yeah. the danger spots still? So basically the main street has been the focus probably the last day and a half. Yesterday we pushed out into the towns, all the volunteers pushed out into the towns to, to all, all the other the houses that went under, certainly the sport and wreck and and, the, and the swimming pools and stuff like that yesterday. So it's a process. Um, the main community areas was the main street, the shops, supermarkets, chemists, very important for the elderly. Um, and then we've, we've pushed out into uh, into all the all the low-lying houses and stuff like that. So it's, it's a long journey, mate, but um, everyone's going hard at it and, uh, and, and we'll rebuild. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Uh, this is a really important thing and we're obviously doing Help Rebuild Molong. It's a GoFundMe page. Tim Sullivan is a Molong uh, resident and obviously very well known through from Endeavour Meets now, but formerly of Kilcoy and obviously of Sanger, he joins us this morning and obviously he's a local and they are rebuilding. So people of Queensland listening to this today, if you can take some time to go onto the GoFundMe page and help rebuild Molong, uh, your thoughts, we've had it and we've asked for it and they're asking now. It's their turn. We'll take a break. Good on you, Tim. Stay safe, mate, and we'll catch up again shortly. Thank you, I really appreciate it to the wider community. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Wednesday morning, the 16th of November, across Rural Queensland today. And Beef Australia CEO Simon Irwin joins us this morning. Simon, good morning. How are you, mate? 
Really well, Dobbo, and you? Yeah, fantastic, and and great to have you on the show again. Uh, Beef Australia has launched just a this is awesome. Three more international study tours to France, South America, and South Africa that are set to take place throughout 2023. And what a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity um, to see groups of delegates travel overseas to attend these really important and unique cattle-focused conferences. Yeah, I think we've, we've certainly looked at it. We have so many international visitors come to beef that uh, it's only fair that we try and take people from Australia to other ones because we're, we're actually not tour organisers ourselves. We oh, go sure. through quadrant um, ag tours who are professionals at it. But the uh, beef connection does open a few doors. So what we've done is look at what are the, what are the equivalent of beef uh, in other parts of the world. So the uh, one to Argentina and Paraguay goes to the exposition rural, hard to say, um, <laughs> Then the uh, the one to South Africa goes to the African Livestock Fair, and then the French one uh, goes to the Samay de l'Élevage, which again is hard to say with a couple of rums on board. <laughs> but it's um, it's um, so these are you know the Samay in France is like the epitome of European breeding, um, and, and we selected these because it gives you the proper across things. So for your European breeds, the one that people, you know, the French breeds in particular, Simmentals, Limousin, Charolais, Bazardais, Blonde Aquitaines, this is the home of, of those breeds of cattle. So we thought for people who are interested in that European-style beast, this would be good. The South African one uh, is around breeds that would be very familiar to people in, in Queensland, from Simmentals to Santas and there's a big focus on drought masters yep. over there. And then um, Argentina, <laughs> pardon me, and Paraguay are, are just huge livestock um, yeah. uh, you know, sort of exporters in themselves. In fact, I know in the, uh, in the Argentinian one, there's a trip to a sale yard that does 10,000 to 13,000 cattle a day for four days every week. Like The numbers for that... But, I remember as a young agent doing twelve or thirteen thousand at Roma in a day on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> what it must be like doing that four days a week? I'd, I'd would do, be uh, I'd, unbelievable. I'd, yeah, look, I mean, this is this is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful extension of Beef Australia and their international study tours. I will say for the France tourists, I do like that you've coincided it with the two thousand and twenty three Rugby World Cup. So I mean, and I say that genuinely. There's a lot of people who. Have a, have a love of rugby union and an opportunity for them to go and, you know, do this ag tour. And I'll, I'll just say this clearly, get a good accountant. She's all she's all the tax deduction. You can also in the process go to go and see uh, the Rugby World Cup, which is taking place in France, which is which is huge. I mean, these are really important. And you talked about um, um, obviously you get these tour agents who – travel agents who obviously they, they excel in this. But for people who want to go on these tours – to, or to book a seat, what's the best place or best way for them to inquire and go about it? Probably just to get, if you really want the details, just get on our website, beefaustralia.com.au and go to the international tab and it's got all the details on our four trips because I think if you really wanted to, you could probably still get on the one to the US, yep. uh, which is going to CattleCon in, um, in uh, New Orleans uh, early next year. And, and just have a look at it. All the information on how to book is there. The, the cost of these things, we've tried to keep it around 10 grand now in South Africa. That includes 
your airfare because it's a bit hard to get there, but for the French and South American ones, <laughs> we've left it land content only because, as you say, most people will, um, if you go halfway around the world, it's kind of nice to extend it out a bit and do what else you can when you're over there. So tried to keep them for about a fortnight, you know, 14, 15 days each tour. Um, and then you can kick on and, as you say, go to the rugby or something like that. And certainly uh, I'll probably go to the French one because my wife is uh, particularly keen on that. And um, we will um, probably just line up, get a, bar- a beret and a baguette and try and buy a ticket for the locals. Probably, Why not? Actually. Why not? <laughs> uh, that's exactly right. Drink a bit of champagne and, and say, yeah. gee whiz, look how well we're going. Uh, I get yeah. it completely. Simon, um, you talk about, you know, obviously, and we've talked to you about Beef Australia and, and obviously um, as you, you march towards this amazing, amazing event. But these conferences, this has never really been pushed heavy in the past by Beef Australia. So this is just an extension to give all the people that are involved. And and it does is what you say. It really shores up a lot of international relationships and that you would you would envisage that it will be reciprocated, no doubt, when the shoe's on the other foot, when you guys are going in 2024. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also, one of the, the, the best thing about beef, it's every three years. So, um, you know, you get to, there's always something new. If it's something every year, you can say, oh, I went last year, I won't bother. Whereas every three years is about right. But it means it's a long time between drinks for us. Not that these are money makers for us, but it just is a way of keeping the beef name out there uh, offering something back to the beef community. And certainly I know the people who have signed up for our US tour, um, they're not all cattle breeders. You know, there's people from right across the, the beef community who can go over and really get something out of it. And, um, yeah, and I think the beauty of it's a nice balance. All the two is a balance. So if you're in French, you're going to end up in Bordeaux uh, in some of the, uh, the wine country. If you're in South Africa, you end up in a game park. If you're in... You know, Argentina, you get to go to Iguazu Falls and have a look at that stuff. So it's not all work and no play, um, but as you say, for people who are uh, keen, um, perhaps a yarn to your accountant wouldn't be a bad thing because they are genuinely based around education. You're going to studs, you're going to cattle shows, you're going to, in some cases, meat works, in some cases, you know, just a really different look at genetics and what's happening around the world. And I think that's really important for all of it. Yeah, and, and you're dead right. Now, look, it's so simple for everybody. Beefaustralia.com.au, when you go to the homepage, uh, there is a, a box there that says uh, international tours and international study tours. You hit that, you can go there. And Obviously, as we march towards the countdown's on, it says 536 days. <laughs> Who would have thought it was that far away? It's not far away at all. Um, Simon Owen, this is a fantastic opportunity for people. Um, three tours. There is that US tour, limited seats available in the new year. Um, but the Australian, uh, Beep Australia will be going to France, South America and South Africa on international study tours uh, all of next year. Um, and those opportunities are there for anybody you can get on and register. We appreciate your time, mate. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thanks, Dobbo. Thanks for the call. Good on you. Uh, the CEO of Beep Australia, Simon Irwin. We'll take a break, and people should go to their website, beepaustralia.com.au. It's all there, very simple, and uh, well worth and suggest that people, if you have a bit of time, um, to take up those opportunities and go and see how other people throughout the world are doing it and obviously increase 
uh, your opportunities and your knowledge, but also get to eat a baguette or go to the rugby or even go to America. It's that simple. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Our next guest, LNP member for Calide, uh, Bryson Head, joins us this morning. Bryson, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Can I just go to you straight away about the chinchilla water contamination? This is real concerning. Now, the Queensland Deputy Premier accused the LNP of fear-mongering, saying, we only care firstly about landholders, and now we've been seen as a political opportunity. What a load of crap. I mean, seriously, I, I, I shrug my head in disbelief at the, the debacle that is the coal seam gas industry and how it was handled by the Labor government. But this is a real concern for the people of Chinchilla. Well, look, at this point in time, we, we don't have the full picture because the, the state government, they've, they've just been, when it comes to this whole debacle, they've been going from one extreme to the other. For years, people were saying it was going to be a problem, it was a problem, and it was a problem. But because of then Premier Peter Beattie and then Anna Bly had, had nailed themselves to, to the flag on, on this and said it was going to be the future and everything, they, they kept on ducking and weaving and avoiding um, coming out and saying that it was a problem. And then, and then we had the now Deputy Premier, Stephen Miles, when he was Environment Minister, say that this uh, is the biggest pollution event probably in Queensland's history. And now, only a couple of years after he made that claim, the Environment Minister gets information about contamination in water and the department, and then she's blaming the department for it. Um, she's forgetting that she's ultimately responsible for the department, being the Minister for Environment. Uh, and she's saying, oh, the department basically forgot to tell landholders. Yeah. Uh, now, what, what the LNP are calling for is, is the full facts and full information and, and for every bit of data that the government has to be released for the for those landholders impacted. Yeah, well, this is it. We don't get any of the data, though. They're not sharing it all. Why won't they share the information? Well, I think I think they're embarrassed by it all. They went from one extreme to the other. They, they're saying it's not a problem, it's not a problem, it's not a problem, and then they're saying, and they turned around and said there was a huge problem, and then they put all these landholders in, in turmoil and, uh, and it certainly impacted their livelihoods and, and as well as their mental health. And then they've gone, you know, now they're backtracking over, or it appears as though from their actions of recent years that they've sort of backtracked and, and tried to make out that it's not a big problem. Well, what devalues land is uncertainty and a government that lacks transparency. And, and this government just clearly doesn't, um, they, they talk about transparency all the time and, and the Minister for Environment can, you know, talking about the transparency of, of the state Labor government, but, the reality, when when this is the reality, then uh, as to what's happening on the ground, then then the government really isn't that transparent at all. No, you're dead right. You're dead right. We will, and we will wait with bated breath, Bryson, on this. Can I also talk to you about the health system? We have got people who are bypassing Gladstone to go to Rockhampton to have babies. We've had a lady have a baby on the side of the road at the Bruce Highway. We've got a government that don't care about the health system and we've got an overworked nurse force and doctor force that we have not even thought about at the moment. We are in a hell of a mess. We are, Dobbo. It's, I'm only, uh, you know, I'm only five months on, on the job as a member for Calide and and I get more and more concerned by the day. Uh, the years and years of failures from consecutive by the governments as far as rural health, rural and regional health and just the health system in general. And, and one of the biggest problems in it is, is if you can't accept that there's a problem, then 
you're not going to be turning around and doing anything to fix it. So we've seen, I think it's 30 rural and regional maternity wards close across Queensland under Labor governments. Uh, And that, of course, redirects births to bigger centres. And now you've got a a situation where uh, Gladstone, a a hospital that that hosts 600 births in a year, is also on bypass. So now the Rockhampton uh, is having to take up the slack for, you know, the years of closures of, of smaller maternity wards. Um, Bill Wheel is on bypass and now it's taking Gladstone as well. So the extra stress on Rockhampton Hospital and I've been told that staff are resigning from, from Rockhampton uh, left, right and centre because they just cannot cope. They don't have the, enough support. They're uh, uh, not being treated uh, as, as well as they should be and, and the government really needs to get their act together and put nurses and doctors back in charge and give them the support they need so that they can do the job that they signed up to do, and that's to help people in the health system. Yeah, um, and and you're dead right. Uh, Quite an unbelievable situation. We're seeing rural crime. um, I mean, I I laugh because it wasn't of any interest to the government till cars, people started getting carjacked in the cities, and now it's a huge issue. And I say that with the deepest respect, but it's been going on in every every regional area for 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 years, very bad in Townsville. Mount Isa's got a hell of a problem. Yet rural rural youth crime and rural crime is something that needs to be stamped out. Absolutely, Dobbo. And just last night alone, you know, in the dead of the night, the the state government released the the youth justice reform review at eight seventeen p.m. and they've had this report since March. Uh, this government's more worried about how things look than how they are. And that's why they don't want to be transparent and upfront and honest with Queenslanders. They hold these reports for months on end so that they can work out how they're going to spin it when it comes out. And, and it's, and it's really impacting communities. And, and of course, youth crime, youth crime is in all of it, but that's where a lot of it starts. And, and what we're seeing is police are spending a lot of their time, um, you know, doing curfew checks on juveniles and, and having to deal with juvenile crime issues because of a soft approach from the state government. Uh, and that's, meaning that the, the harder crimes are looking at it and they know that they're going to have more opportunities and, and get away with things because the police are spending their attention elsewhere. Yeah. And, and the police are having to do that because of the soft attitude of the state government. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Um, it, it, it's a really big issue at the moment and one that we've seen um, be handled poorly for some time. Appreciate your time this morning, Bryson, doing a great job. LMP member for Callow. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today and We really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for having me, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Wednesday morning, the 16th of November, and the REIQ Chief Executive is Antonio Mercarella, and she joins us this morning as the housing impact uh, absolutely is creating huge, huge dramas across Queensland uh, regionally, and metropolitan in the metropolitan areas as well. Antonia, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, this is a real concern, isn't it, the impact of the housing crisis? And, I mean, there's plenty of people that are, are getting blamed for different things, but the bottom line is we had a lot of people migrate from Victoria and New South Wales and to Queensland, and we probably weren't ready for the impact in any way, and, and a lot of people won't, of what COVID was going to bring. And it's sort of like the perfect storm in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's no doubt that COVID uh, has had a significant impact on on the housing market and the way that we live in our houses or our our homes. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, we are the number one destination for interstate migration. And there's a lot about that that should be celebrated. But of course, it has added a, a considerable strain uh, and of course, just that extra, those extra people wanting to either buy or rent those properties has, has made it much harder for, for local people. So the, the big impacts and, 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 and the report that's come out now that said, you know, that there were a lot of people living on the, in the coastal and rural areas where the sharpest increase in rents have occurred. So how do we I mean, it's got to be able to. We've got to be able to have houses, affordable housing, I, I, and I understand that. And look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I own my own home. I also got some investment properties as well. And and if I'm honest with you, I want as much rent as I possibly can get out of my investment properties with the ongoing costs that are occurring. But we've got to be able to have houses for people. So I, I don't know what the solution is, and I understand that that this is probably a question that you guys get asked all the time because it, it's sort of one of those one of those chicken and the eggs. We, we need more houses, mm. but people also want to make some money out of investments. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important point. Look, what I would say is that, uh, of, of course, we know that a balanced rental market is what we need. So just to give your listeners an idea, we classify a healthy rental market uh, as, as a vacancy rate of between 2.6 up to 3.5%. In that range, we know that, there's some modest rent increases. The investor does okay, and of course, in that in that range, uh, the tenant also has some options. But to give you an idea, at the moment, we are worlds away from that vacancy rate in regional Queensland. The vast majority of our regional um, our regional areas are sitting around 0.5 or 0.6%, so sub 1%. And as a result, there's there's not really there's not a great deal of options for tenants. I mean, in some communities, there's no rental properties None. at all, or there might be one or two. And of course, when you're in that position, what it does is it creates competitive behaviour. And what we're seeing is that people are Offering more than the asking price for the rent, and then it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a, a bidding war, if you like. Uh, and also, what we're seeing is, as if, as you've mentioned, we are seeing rents increase, and we're seeing rents increase quite considerably. Now, the challenge there is that. Uh, yes, those rents are very hard for for tenants uh, meeting those rent. Those rents are, are can be very very challenging, and we've heard some stories of some extraordinary rent hikes. But it's also important to remember that uh, we're also we're also seeing interest rates go up. So I've spoken to both tenants and investors who are saying terrific on yeah. the on the investor side. I'm hearing about. Uh, mortgage payments, repayments going up considerably and the pressure of that. And then, of course, at the other end, uh, we're seeing tenants doing it really tough. Uh, so very, very challenging times. What I would say, though, is you would be amazed at the number of times I speak to property managers and uh, to tell me that um, th- their owners' uh, instructions are to, to increase the rent but not to increase it as much as the market would actually allow, where we're actually seeing investors say, hey, that's going to be too much of a hike for my tenant. 
They've been, that tenant's been a good tenant. They've paid on time. They've looked after the property well. Yes, I probably could charge that, but I'm not going to because, goodness me, that would be very tough for them. And and that's outstanding to see people making those very, um, I think, community-spirited uh, decisions and, uh, and quite selfless decisions. But, of course, we've also got to be realistic. Investors are facing higher um, repayments as interest rates go up. We also know that uh, more and more um, things cost more, as we all know. Cost of living is very high. And uh, and so it, very challenging circumstances. And, of course, this is why the housing summit was held earlier this year because I think there's, a re- there's finally a recognition that this is a crisis and it's not a word that I like to use a lot and I try and use the word crisis sparingly, but uh, but look, that is that is I think it's a fair characterisation of what we're facing right now. Uh, just the other day, I spent some time with a um, with a community housing provider, and the stories that uh, she shared with me were incredibly concerning. Stories about people uh, sleeping rough on the streets or in cars and couch surfing and. Yeah. These are not the stories you would expect to hear so how do we about fix it? in, in how- Queensland. Well, look, the, the, the simple answer is this. There's no quick fix is what I would say, sadly. There's no quick fix. We know that what we need is more supply. That's challenging in the current marketplace because finding a builder and finding building supplies is not easy. But, look, what I would say is there are some immediate solutions Um uh, that aren't permanent, but at least would get people out of cars and off the streets. And that is utilising any space at the moment that exists that can be converted into residential um, housing, even if it's just a temporary solution until we're able to build more. And these are the sorts of options that were discussed at the housing summit. Um, so utilising those, those, those spaces that, that could be converted uh, and of course, state government uh, has changed the rules around uh, granny flats as well. Yeah. Again, not a solution for everyone, but certainly a better option than sleeping in a car. Uh, and of course, we've got to do more to encourage. There's people out there who own holiday homes, and and I and and I think we've got to be careful not to uh, not to uh, demonise them, but to recognise that. If you're lucky enough to have a holiday home, then 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 that's fabulous. But what what could we do to encourage those people who are lucky enough to own a holiday home? Uh, what can we do to encourage them to actually perhaps put that that holiday home on the permanent rental market in order to house a family, or even those who have uh, properties that might be on the short term letting market? Yeah. So I think I think yeah. some of those options could help. In the in the here and now, but of course, what we know is that we've got to all play a role here. Banks have to play a role. Banks have to play a role because they won't lend money. They won't lend money to the regions that you know unless you've got forty percent. So unless they're going to do, yeah, 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 unless they're going to absolutely. And I think, and that's that's outrageous. It's extraordinary what I'm hearing about in regional Queensland in order in order to obtain a loan. We're hearing these crazy stories of having to come up with this very substantial deposit that is just simply unrealistic. And this is where we need, we do, we need the banks to play a role. But actually, we all need to play a role uh, because these are the conversations I have on a daily basis and the community is outraged. But equally, 
Um, what we need then is we need to take that outrage and we need to remember it when we are seeing proposed developments. And what we tend to do is we adopt this not-in-my-backyard mentality. And the fact is we all need to be a little bit selfless right now. We all agree that homelessness is not acceptable and, and that we all deserve a place to call home. And therefore, we've all got to be- become a little bit more open-minded about what we're prepared to see in our own backyards as well. So there's a range of issues there. And, and of course, what we've said for many, many years is we need politics to be put to one side and we need to see all levels of government, federal, state, local government, they all need to be working in a unified way uh, and put politics to one side. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to longer term address this issue through better planning and, and, and planning around what our growing population is to make sure that we're never again in, in, a, in a situation um, like we're facing at the moment. Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Good on you. And um, very, very important situation. Antonio Mercarella, uh, she joins us this morning, Real Estate Institute of Queensland Chief, Chief Executive. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is a real issue, the housing crisis, rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on this Wednesday morning, the 16th of November. Have a great day, Queensland. We're back tomorrow morning from 9am. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland Today, it's bye for now.